It's time for your local weekly analysis, Slow County Public Policy and the Law, with your host, Stu Jenkins. The Union Forever, boys down with the traitor, up with the star, while we rally around the flag, boys, rally once again, shouting the battle cry of Welcome to Slow County Public Policy and the Law, only on KNews FM 98.5. This is Stu Jenkins. As a lawyer, I help folks protect their families and real estate in their estate plans. Since 1978, I have tried several thousand Slow County court cases. It has been my privilege to strike down unconstitutional city ordinances and to represent both Republican candidates and the Democratic Party in court. I also represent farming, industrial, and commercial landowners, and I have served the Superior Court repeatedly as Special Master. On Slow County Public Policy and the Law, office holders, candidates, lawyers, journalists, and activists inform you about policies shaping your lives. That focus brings folks with differing viewpoints, without being attacked, to tell you about how they think your community state and nation can be improved, even if I or station management disagree with a guest's ideas. This hour, I am so pleased to be speaking with Congressman Salud Carbajal at Slow County Public Policy and the Law. Mr. Carbajal represents the people living in California's 24th Congressional District, which includes San Luis Obispo County, south of Cayucas and Atascadero, all of Santa Barbara County, and the city of Ventura. The laws regulating immigration have required reform for decades, with the crisis at the border recognized now by both Democrats and Republicans. I wanted to bring in the co-chair of the House New Democratic Caucus, your congressman, Salud Carbajal, to let listeners know about the bipartisan immigration bill now being negotiated. Welcome to Slow County Public Policy and the Law, Congressman Carbajal. Thank you, Stu, and thank you for giving me an opportunity to explain what's going on here in Washington on this important issue of immigration. Well, as you know, uh, immigration, the, our immigration system has been broken for decades. And I think the last time that uh, we passed meaningful legislation was under President Reagan. Yeah, it's been decades. And, you know, it's important for me to also state up front that I immigrated to this country when I was five years old in 1970, when uh, the immigration system worked a little bit better. And so this is an issue that I have a pretty good understanding about. What's most disconcerting lately is that while we have not been able to come together to address uh, immigration reform in a more comprehensive way, there has been a number of bills, uh, bipartisan bills, that we have been able to agree on. The Farm Workforce Modernization Act that I worked hard on, as well as the Dream and Promise Act, which was also bipartisan. And and what does the Farm Work Bipartisan Bill do for folks? What that does is it does two things. One is it provides a legalization path for farm workers to come out of the shadows and work and not be deported. And it provides that uh, benefit also to their family members that are for those individuals that are already here as undocumented individuals. 
And two, what it does is it reforms the H-2A program and, in essence, creates a modern-day guest worker program. Now, let me tell you the most important thing of this uh, legislation is that it was supported by diverse stakeholders, the United States Chamber of Commerce, the California Farm Bureau, the Western Growers Association, the United Farm Workers. Uh, it had really broad support. Was it perfect? No. But our farmers have been saying, let's fix the immigration system for those that are here already working on our farms. But let's create a more sustainable labor force because even the existing labor pool is not enough. So that's what that does. The other one, of course, is we all have come to understand what dreamers, who are the dreamers, and the fact that they need some kind of legalization path because they were brought to, our, to this country of, with no fault of their own as children. And now they're grown up and they want to contribute uh, to the fabric of our economy, of our society, have been doing that in many ways. Well, and that's another bipartisan bill. Well, Congressman Carvajal, how, how long does it take for a dreamer to... And what steps do they have to go through in order to gain citizenship? Well, at this point, there's no process. Oh, dear. They're, right now, they just have uh, deferral based on the existing uh, executive program that has been implemented. But that's also working its way through the courts on what, whether that program is going to uh, exist in the long term or not. And so that's why legislation is needed, because the executive order from the president allowed dreamers to stay or give them a reprieve, but that is only temporary. Uh, the, the courts could decide one way or another any day, and that's why legislation would make that permanent. Well, so, I, so I only say those two things mm -hmm. to be able to tell you that those are some examples of some of the reforms that we could be moving forward, but the leadership does not move it forward. Right now, what you are hearing in the news is the influx of people at the border. And what's happened is that people from all over the world now have come to understand that our immigration system is broken and there's uh, really no positive way to apply to come to our country because there's a backlog of millions, not enough staff, not enough judges. So what the world is now doing is flying into Mexico are making their way there from Latin America or China or the Middle East or even Ukraine, people who weren't able to get in the, the legal way, they're going to Mexico and then coming to our border and saying and, and using the only avenue that exists for them, which is asylum. And they're trying to make a case. In many cases, they once they find that they don't qualify, they send people back. But because there's not enough people to process these individuals, they're being given an opportunity to stay until the processing of their applications. That could take months or years. So everybody knows that that is untenable, and we need to fix it. Well, they, they, they there's, a, there's a bipartisan and, bill in the Senate that yes, is rumored. And, and de Democrats are saying if the Senate comes up with a bipartisan bill, uh, as long as it's a good one, we are inclined to be supportive and fix the border. What's really disappointing and disheartening is that my colleagues on the other side of the aisle, starting with the former president, pres former President Trump, they are now saying, wait, 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 wait a minute. And they're saying it out loud. We don't want to fix the border because this is political gain and points for the Republicans 
and they want to be able to have their cake and eat it too. Point to the influx and crisis at the border, but say, we don't want to fix it. President, you can do it through executive order. And we all know no president can fix anything other than minor movement through executive order. They need Congress to act. So it's been disappointing to hear my colleagues on the other side be so overt about the fact that they are incentivizing to not take any action if a bipartisan deal is reached in the Senate because they don't want to undermine, uh, for political favor, Trump's ability to try to continue to say that these are the Democrats, when and now they've exposed their hand. This is actually the Republicans who don't want to fix well, Congressman, you're, the challenge you're, at, at the you're, border. You're co-chair of the House New Democratic Caucus, which is kind of a... Uh, uh, well, it's different than the Progressive Caucus, more centrist, I think, and and you've been on the Problem Solvers Caucus. Is it your sense that there's any movement or any possibility of uh, Democrats and Republicans uh, who aren't in the extremes getting together to uh, get a bipartisan Senate Absolutely. immigration fix on Let the- me tell you, that's why I wrote a letter with my colleagues, 60 other members, last Friday to Speaker Johnson to express our advocacy that he bring any bipartisan bill to the floor, uh, that it's bipartisan, that we stand ready to work with, with him and, and our colleagues on the other side of the aisle to move forward uh, legislation to address uh, what's happening at the border and other important immigration reforms that we need to move forward. We were, in that letter, we expressed our dismay that he was saying that we ought to really wait now until a future president to address this issue. Oh, Lord. Uh, it's, it's really political overtness and appalling, uh, an appalling stance to take. Mm-hmm. Well, th- with regard to the bipartisan Senate bill, you know, Washington, D.C. is kind of a leaky place. I understand it hasn't been uh, released yet, but have you heard what uh, aspects are going to be in that bill? Uh, I know that the the issues are uh, looking at how to reform the system so it's not uh, being utilized widespread as people are trying to come to this country and make sure that it it's provides for a humanitarian uh, way to deal with people applying for asylum and the resources needed to be able to adjudicate these applications. The backlog, there's an over 2 million... Uh, individual backlog that needs to be addressed, and technology to address fentanyl, uh, which is would be part of this deal. Uh, the big sticking point is parole. How much parole? How little parole? How is that implemented? But they're very close. To I, I think the, the Republicans deal. call that catch and release. Um, exactly. Well, that's why that's why a reform, whatever bill is put forward, it's likely going to be a bipartisan bill. It will have to be a bipartisan bill and new Democrats stand ready to be part of the solution. Usually the linchpin of any new policy is the money. Uh, Is there going to be money to be appropriated to increase the number of asylum judges or immigration judges uh, or or Border Patrol officers or facilities? That that would be uh, part of the overall supplemental. The president has requested out of $106 billion that he's requested $14 $14 billion for the border. And so, again, 
My colleagues can't be hypocritical and speak out of both sides of their mouth. They either want to fix it or they don't. But if they don't, they need to raise their hand and take ownership of that problem and quit playing politics and trying to point to Democrats to say that this issue and challenge should be borne by Democrats, which is silly and ludicrous. But again, I really appreciate that what we've known uh, they've always been thinking, they finally are saying it, and they're being loud about it. And many members of, of uh, a number of members of the Republican Party are saying this is ridiculous, like Mitt Romney, to say that all of a sudden the border issue is not of concern because we don't want to solve it because it just might give, uh, you know, an edge up for President Biden. That's just like Democrats saying we were not going to support Trump when he was president to develop the, the COVID vaccine because it might give him an edge over President Biden. How silly is that? Well, I, I, um, I agree with you, Congressman. But, but, Congressman, let me test some of this a little bit with you. Folks, you're listening to Congressman Salude Carbajal, who represents San Luis Obispo County and Santa Barbara County and a little bit of Ventura County. The president just released a uh, statement last week in which he said that he was asking for 1,300 more Border Patrol officers, 375 immigration judges, new ones, and 1,600 new asylum officers. Do you think that's enough? Well, I think the president, through his administration, knows what the flow has been, what the challenge has been, and, uh, you know, there's always room for more. But I think the numbers they put forward, uh, I think, is an attempt to address the issue and the challenge head on. And I would take them at the word that they are, uh, they have identified the, at least a good amount of the resources to address a good part of the backlog. Now, in the meantime, uh, while the Senate's been working on this, the House of Representatives uh, in the Homeland Security Committee just uh, issued on a partisan vote articles of impeachment to be voted on uh, by the full House for Homeland Security uh, Secretary Mayorkas. Is that going to actually get to the floor? And uh, do you think that there's a, a partisan or a bipartisan number of Congress people who will pass that or block it? Well, we will see. But as you've seen, it's the extreme uh, group of the, it's the, I call it the Putin-Trump extreme wing of the Republican Party that are leading Republicans right now. And, uh, you know, it's now impeaching somebody because you disagree with their policies is, is, is so ridiculous. You impeach somebody for a criminal acts, for wrongdoing, not for we disagree with your policies. But that just tells you how extreme and out of touch they are. But I think the American people, one, will see what a waste of money that is and what a waste of time. And I think, uh, you know, they'll remember that at the ballot box. Well, now, the bipartisan bill that's in the Senate, does that have any money for defense of Israel, defense of uh, Ukraine or Taiwan? Yes. Well, that the supplemental uh, that is being negotiated would include funding for Ukraine, Taiwan, Israel, humanitarian aid for the West Bank and Gaza, and of course, 14 million of the 106 million uh, billion, should I say, for uh, addressing the border challenge that uh, is now front and center. 14 billion with a B. Yes. Okay. 
does it give you pause that in Ukraine itself there seems to be a uh, division or tensions between uh, President Zelensky and his chief general, uh, Valerie uh, Zelensky? I hope I'm pronouncing uh, that right. Certainly, I think any time you have any tension, it's uh, it's it's concerning. But you know, um, it's it's part for the course. Sometimes you have disagreements. Sometimes you have, uh, you know, certain individuals need to be relieved, and and that's that's part for the course. Um, uh, you know, I think in the big scheme of things, it's just it, it, it's just something that needs to be addressed and dealt with. But. Um, okay. You know, as long as uh, President Zelensky continues to lead as he has led, I think it gives the world uh, confidence that uh, he his strategy to thwart and push Russian aggression back will continue to gain uh, worldwide uh, support from our allies and support him. He has really uh, been it, the Churchill of the 21st century. Absolutely. Um, you know, the EU approved $50 billion today for Ukraine, for example. Yeah. And that's why we need to continue to do the same. This is, this is not just to assist Ukraine. It's for democracy in Europe and for democracy in the United States. We're trying to avoid having to send our service men and women into a war and minimizing the escalation of such a war. That's why we need to help Ukraine on their own beat back Putin. Well, how, how much uh, money is in the supplemental bill for Ukraine, as far as in you know? In the supplemental bill for Ukraine is approximately, eight, let me just look at, uh, let me see, it is approximately, um, you know, I, I, eight million, eight, it's, let me, let me get that information while okay. we're talking, All right. to be specific. I think it might be eight billion, but yes, or eighty billion, but <laughs> wars are expensive. But anyway, eighty-four billion. Okay, uh, thank you. Eighty-four billion, and you know the Ukrainians are running out of ammunition at this point, so they're going to need that. Well, we only have a few minutes left. I I want to thank you for taking time out of your day. I know you've got to catch a plane. Uh, back here to California, but I did want to ask you, um, there was just a $78 billion bipartisan tax package passed in the House of Representatives. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Well, I think this uh, tax package includes the following top lines. Uh, It includes resources for the child tax credit that will expand the existing child tax credit that exists. Not quite as big as I and many Democrats had hoped, but it increases it uh, to 2025, uh, and it's going to help 2 million California kids benefit from, the, from that expansion. It expands uh, the LIHTC, uh, low-income housing tax credits, uh, to increase more affordable housing. I don't need to tell you that this is a challenge and a crisis that we're facing throughout the country, California, and the Central Coast. We need to provide for more housing options. And this new LIHTC increase, uh, low-income housing tax credits, would allow states like California to get a 12.5% increase. Also, in California, we've been through many disasters, and this provides additional disaster relief for those that have been impacted uh, in, in past disasters. That's just uh, a few of the things that are in there that 
would actually improve the lives of many folks on the Central Coast. Does it, uh, does it do anything to um, help farmers and businesses? Uh, yes, who, who... absolutely. It provides uh, tax relief to small businesses, and many of them are farmers, uh, allowing them to expense a lot of their investments and R&D investments. So it, it goes a long way to help our local economy, our local business people, our families, children, uh, those seeking more affordable housing options, and those affected by disaster relief. Now, the effect on somebody who needs child care so they can go to work, about how much a, a month are they going to be able to uh, write off or get as a tax credit? Well, it, it, it's a gradual phased-in uh, tax credit that they will receive uh, starting this coming year. That's wonderful. So it'll go from 1600 to basically 2000 When you say this coming year, that's 2024 or 2025? Uh, starting this year. This year? Okay. 2024. That's all right. 2023. I'm, I'm still writing 2023 on my checks sometimes. But I, I think, <laughs> but it is including 2023. Well, folks, you've been listening to uh, Salud Carbajal, our congressman from San Luis Obispo County, Santa Barbara County, and a little bit of Ventura County. I want to thank you for coming on, Congressman, and I know you have a flight you've got to catch, but is there one last thing you'd like to let our listeners know? Yes. Well, one, I continue to look for opportunities to work across the aisle uh, because I came here to govern. And the Central Coast sent me here to govern and find opportunities to work together, despite the gridlock and our differences. Uh, so I continue to do that. And two, I un- regrettably and with uh, a sad heart, uh, have to report to the Central Coast that when we consider the urgency of addressing the border, uh, my colleagues have been extremely overt about not wanting to fix it or support a bipartisan deal, which I hope they will change because uh, we need to do that. And they now see it as a political gain uh, to not move forward solutions. And so all of a sudden the cards have changed and turned. Republicans are saying they don't want to solve the, the crisis at the border because they think it provides political brownie points and political points for, for former President Trump. Well, the president, silly and sad. The, the President Biden says if you all can pass this bipartisan bill, He'll close the border the day he signs it. Absolutely. He said it. So, all right. Well, Congressman, safe flight, and uh, we look forward to seeing you back here in California. Great. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Now.